This is Denise Panza, and I'm on Cut to the Chase with Gregory Proctor. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 35, Making Dreams Come True. So, as we all know, we all dream. And as we dream, we envision how can we possibly make our dreams come true. And so one of the significant things we're going to talk about today is like your home is likely the big investment. It makes your life in which you take on sometimes a huge risk. While it may seem scary, particularly if you're a first home buyer, it can also be quite exciting. And so our special guest that we're talking to today, we're really going to bust out the champagne for her because we think she's going to bring it for us. We're going to bring it. All right. So one of the quotes that I have is basically here. If I were to ask the name of the benefit for a house, I would say the house is a shelter, daydream, a house is a protector, it's a dreamer. A house allows one to dream in peace. And so as we look at our special guests, I'm getting a little bit of feedback there, Denise, just a little bit. As we look into our special guest, Denise, we find that she's focused and goal-oriented, high integrity, high energy, hardworking, quality of service in every detail of the home lending process. She has done this for the past 25 years. Born in Brooklyn, her first job was making donuts. But if you're Italian like Denise, it's known as stuffed as cannellonis. Later, she jumped into an opportunity to have a paper route throughout many neighborhoods in Long Island. As one who never fears hard work, Denise, out of the house by 5.15 a.m., strived to hit her fitness goals of four-minute plankton every single day. Among other activities, Denise creates two informative websites, one for Mortgage Tip Tuesday, which is a weekly video of how to parallel home ownership, and then the other one is Sunday DIY, DIY projects, and basically helping around your home. Denise is also a devoted mother of two. Denise is also a mortgage expert, a mortgage loan consultant. Denise has had a prior job history of being a senior loan officer, a vice president, and a and again, a senior senior loan officer. Denise graduated from Northeastern University in Boston, where she holds a degree in teaching. She continues to use those skills every day in educating home buyers and finding the best possible home buying finance process to help them achieve their dreams. Denise makes every client and ensures that every client, every step of every client, is a smooth transaction. So to our listeners, and everybody goes, Greg, how do you do this? How do you do this, Greg? To our listeners, Denise Denise is someone I met on LinkedIn. I mean, Denise has been a sweetheart. She's been very, very open, very receptive to coming on to our show. And I'll tell you, I'm ready to dive in. Denise, do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? I just want to say that was like the best intro I've ever received. That was fun. Thank you so much, Greg. <laughs> You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Well, listen, Denise, let's let's cut right to the chase. I mean, there's there's just so many things about, you know, making dreams come true. And so help us understand, Denise, 
what are some of the first steps of basically preparing yourself to buy a home? So when a client calls me and says, Denise, I found a house, I, I, I want to buy it, or Denise, I want to start the ball rolling because I want to be a homeowner, right off the bat, I, I need their, I need an application, right? Because I need to know what's going on behind the scenes. And I tell them, the more complete they fill out the application, the more honest they are with me, whether it's stuff I might not want to hear, you have to share it, right? Because with with without them telling me everything from the get-go, I, I can't, you know, I can't come up with a game plan with them, right? So some people, some buyers, their scenarios are so easy, right? They're just W-2s, they have perfect credit, and they have lots of assets. And then you have the other half of the world that, you know, has a couple of bumps in the road, which is also totally fine. So um, the application for starters is the most important. And then obviously I pull their credit and we work with that if it needs to be worked on. Um, and then at that point, and you can tell someone, you know, in literally a day, whether or not they're pre-approved and then, and then you set them free and then they go house hunting and they right. dream home. Right. Right. So I think everybody understands, you know, with regards to putting in the application and like you said, being, being truthful, being honest, because certainly you don't want that to stifle your dreams. But as we move from the application piece to like trying to figure out how do you plan for ultimately ending up in that home? And I think the next step comes with, you know, some type of monetization, which is basically the down payment. A lot of people fear that down payment. I hear a lot of horror stories about, I was told my down payment's going to be X. And then when I show up at the closing, it's like Y. And I've got to whip out the checkbook and do all these other <laughs> things. So what, what, do you, what do you say about that? I mean, that's unfortunate if that happens, that shouldn't really happen. Um, and I think things have definitely, they, they've changed a lot of the rules so that things like that cannot happen. Um, but, the, but there's various programs, right? So there are programs that require no money down. There's programs that require 3% down, tons of them that do 3% down, 3.5% down. You know, but you'll, you'll know that now nowadays, they'll know that from the get-go, what they have to put down. and and. Sometimes you'll basically ask the client, like, what do you have to work with? Like, if you said, Denise, this is what I have. Can you get me into a house? We start there, right? And if and if we finagle that number to work, then everyone's a happy camper. If the terms require them to put a, a larger down payment, then you always ask, can you get a gift from family? Or you know what? We just, um, you know, we wait a couple of months and we save up money. And, you know, down the road, in the near future, they can be a homeowner. So I think it's just a matter of just knowing right from the get-go, right when you're doing the pre-approval, you, you will know at that point what you have to put down. There should right. be surprises. Right, right, right. So I do have a story from one of our listeners, which I'll share with you later. But before we get there, I've got a, I've got a couple more questions. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you said earlier, you know, making sure that we understand the credit history, the credit rating. Um, you know, in the case of, say, you run into someone that is – that has difficult, uh, you know, a low credit score. Let's let's just say hypothetically, mm -hmm. it's below it's below the standard 640 or 650, whatever the weighted average is, and you know they're really, you know, that's their goal, that's their ambition is to get into uh, a home. And how do you how do you work with those people? I mean, do you make recommendations like saying, hey, you got it, you need to pay off this, you need to pay off yes. that? I mean, what what are some of the things that you you, you yes. with these folks? I love that. So I'll, I get you know, I mean, 
I'll get a couple of apps a week that, you know what, right now their credit does not allow them to be become a homeowner. My minimum credit score is 620. Um, actually used to be 580, but then, um, then COVID happened and the 80 is no longer an option. It's 620. Uh, so if they, if I pull their credit right tomorrow and their credit score is 550, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I've been doing this long enough that I, I, I'd like to think I'm a credit expert so I can tell someone, all right, this is what you have to do. You do A, B, and C, and you come back to me. And it's nice because a lot of them will. And it's the best feeling when in six months from now, it's like, Denise, guess what? I did everything you said to do. Can you please pull my credit? And then you pull their credit and you get the score that we were all hoping for. Because it really is, it's, it's not it's not difficult. Like you can, it's, it's for a loan officer who's been doing this for a long time, you can look at someone's credit and be like, oh, this is a no brainer. All you have to do is, you know, pay this credit card down, satisfy that and, and we're good. And in a couple of months or sometimes, um, we don't even wait a couple of months. Sometimes if it's someone's credit report, right. And I pull it and say the score is 615, right. And I need a 620 and we are five points away. I have a program called rapid rescore. So what that means is I have this what if simulator and I'll say to, to the what if simulator, okay, I need this borrower's score to be 620, their middle score to be 620. And it will tell me, okay, pay their Home Depot card down to $420. I tell the customer, pay your Home Depot card down to $400, you know, $400, send me a copy of the statement showing that the balance is now 400. And then within 72 hours, I submit that right to my credit bureau. Um, and then they, within 72 hours, contact all the bureaus and they actually change the scores immediately. 72 hours, not immediately, but I mean, that's amazing, 72 hours. So a homeowner that's right on the cusp, if a loan officer has access to rapid rescore, it is kind of common. I don't know if every lender does it. Um, that is a, an amazing tool. So somebody shouldn't have to wait, you know, because everybody has, you know, you just there's, there's silly stuff on credit reports that shouldn't hold somebody back from buying a home. Right, right. Wow. I, I, I tell you, you just chimed on something that, you know, I've bought a home uh, uh, once before and basically um, I never even heard of that, <laughs> to be frankly <laughs> honest. And, and, and man, that, that's that's a new one on me. It's I think awesome. the next Yeah, it's awesome. I think the next time I do buy another house, I'm going to be like, hey, look, you might want to, you might want to do this. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's rather interesting. So, so I want to jump into, you know, I had a listener provide me with uh, with a story and I'm going to share a little bit of this story with you. And, uh, you know, just looking for like kind of like your professional opinion, because really, you know, it's all about cutting to the chase with with with, uh, you know, our podcast. And we kind of believe that as we can help listeners, you know, particularly in these situations or help them with advice, you know, it provides a, a mutual benefit for people listening to our podcast. And so the story basically small business owner, stellar, stellar credit. And the first thing that he told me in the letter, he said, Greg, I got approved through, let's just say a major bank. And the major bank said, you're pre-approved for whatever it is, 400, $500,000, uh, home. However, when he submitted all of his tax returns and everything to the bank, the bank came back and said, all right, put the brakes on this. You've only been in business for one year. We need two years of your business tax returns. Even though this individual was making a lot of money, they said, we can't go forward with the loan. 
And so the individual decided, okay, all right, we can't get it done with this bank. We called up the realtor. The realtor said, I've got somebody that you can work with. We started working. You know, this individual started working with the uh, the uh, the loan officer, loan loan branch that, that mm-hmm. the realtor referred to. And what ended up happening is... They said, "Okay, we can we 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 have you pre-approved. That's not a problem. You already had a pre-approval letter from a major bank. Uh, we want to move forward, and in order for you to close, we just have to show that you've paid proof of your taxes to the IRS for for this tax year because it was right around the tax season when they were actually buying the home. And so, basically, what ended up happening is." I'm from the letter, from the letter, they, from the letter, they went in, they went into the lending institute and the lending institute said, we're planning to close on Friday. They already had stated that to the builder of the home. They wanted this individual to go pay the tax bill. The individual went and paid the tax bill based on the notion that everything was going to fall in place the way that it should, because Apparently, this was like a five-figure tax bill because they were first year in business, and obviously, you know, even with all the write-offs, with all the money that they made, you mm-hmm. know, it was still still a big number. You know, you're talking, you know, you could buy a house almost with, with what they're putting down, and uh, and so they 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 come back, they show you know the, the the receipt of the tax bill being paid and everything being done, you know, everything completely wrapped up and put on a bow. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, no. it, the house didn't happen. It did not happen. So, so, so basically, this this mortgage institute, oh, very God. similar to like your mortgage institute, mm-hmm. basically had them running through the ringer to do all of this stuff, and they were just being untruthful and very just. I, I, I guess from what the reader or excuse me, from what I read from the letter, kind of kind of misleading. And that is so unfortunate. I hear stories about that all the time though. Um but yeah. but I think some institutes are well, first of all, I think initially they don't do their due diligence, right? And they mm-hmm. are they're, they're, there's different kinds of loan officers, right? Some loan officers do not have to be licensed like I have. They don't have to, you know, take tests and do their fingerprints and, and have all the continuing ed. Um, you know, they're not 100% commission like myself, so they get a salary regardless. And I, I just feel like sometimes they're, they're glorified order takers. For me personally, because if I am 100% commission, and I, and I speak for a lot of other loan officers that I know too, you do your due diligence up front. I, the last thing I'm going to do is tell somebody what they want to hear. The last thing I'm going to do is put my name, put pen to paper on a pre-approval and tell someone they're going to get um, approved if I haven't done my due diligence. Meaning my self-employed borrowers that want to buy a house and I have tons of them. And I'll say to them right off the bat, your credit's gorgeous, but I need two years tax returns right now. Give them to me mm-hmm. now because I'm sending them right to my underwriter. I'm not even... We, I haven't even put pen to paper to issue a pre-approval because I'm calculating your tax returns now because a lot of self-employed borrowers, let's be honest, right? Um, first of all, you ask them how much they make and they're like, yeah, I make like $100,000 a year. But then you get their tax returns and you see that, yes, their gross was a hundred, right? But after their accountant got done writing off all their expenses, they only paid taxes on like 20,000. I, I, I'm 
when I have a self-employed borrower, I'm not going to go on their word. Not that I don't trust them, but listen, I don't even know what the bottom line on my tax return says. Um, so I want to get all that information up front. So I hear these stories all the time. In the 11th hour, I, I have, you know, a lot of, um, attorneys that will call me and be like, Denise, you know, you need to fix this loan. They thought they were closing tomorrow and the whole deal blew up. And I'm just like, I don't understand how, how they get that far in the process to just blow up in the 11th hour. I, it, it, it boggles my mind. And especially that's so awful that he made him them run and pay off. I, I would have told them that they had, if they owed the money, if they owed the IRS money, right? They completed their tax return but at the end of the day, they obviously they're self-employed, so they owe the IRS some money. Yes, 100%. I would have told them that they need to take care of that and show me proof it was paid prior to closing. But again, I'm, I'm assuming that the second lender did not did not calculate the income on the tax returns. And, and I will tell you this too: there are a lot of like Fannie Mae will allow for one year tax return. So if a borrower only has one. So, so, you know, self-employed borrowers, right? We typically want two years tax returns. And then what we do is we, we average the two years because in the self-employed borrowers, unlike a wage earner or a salary person, right? Because their, their, their income is always consistent, but a self-employed borrower, you have good years, you have bad years. So what we do is a two year average. Um, so I'm wondering if somebody just didn't do the math again, you said this particular individual was only self-employed for one year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So according to the letter, the individual started his company, looks like, uh, um, you know, early part of uh, 2018 or something like that. So he had like basically one one year when this event happened. And uh, looking at, you know, the rest of the information here, looks like his tax bill was uh, north of $80,000 for that particular year, which he paid. Uh, looks like he put down... Uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, uh, to hold the house, uh, you know, deposit yeah, on the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They put down like about uh, $10,000 on that, um, you know, kind of as a guarantor uh, on the house. So, you know, all in all, it looks like this guy was out about $100,000. And at the end of the day, he didn't even have a house. I know. I mean, I, I know. And, that, and I, I almost think with that scenario, because, um, you know, I do every program, whether it's FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. But if, if I had a borrower that called me tomorrow and said, hey, Denise, I want to buy a house. I'm self-employed. I've only been self-employed for one year. Um, I would tell him he's not getting a house. I would say you need to show me. Let's let's hurry up and wait for 2020 to be over, and then you bang out that tax return really quick because there there is no program that allows for a self-employed borrower um, that's only been self-employed for one year. I can we can get away. I shouldn't say I. I'm sorry. Let me say we because there's other loan officers that can do the same thing as me. That you can get away with one year tax return. Say 2018 return was not very good. That was their first year. You can get away with one year tax return, right? Like one year, the underwriter will, will, will basically, they won't even ask for 2018 if you can get the approval with one year, but that borrower does have to be self-employed per Fannie Mae guidelines for five years. So somebody who has only been self-employed for one year won't even get a mortgage today or last year, you know what I mean? So that that's unfortunate. It shouldn't have even gone as far as it went because I mean, I do no documentation loans, Gregory, uh, you know, for, for self-employed doc loans. I do no documentation loans, you know, like you don't even have to have, you don't even put a job on your application, but even those you still, um, for a primary residence, you have to, you have to have a CPA letter that shows that you've been self-employed for at least two years. So that person, I, I feel like that was just a loan officer, not 
asking the right questions up front, which has put that poor client through a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think you know the uh, the listener and the fan of our of our podcast there is certainly uh, when I told him, hey, we're getting ready to do an episode with someone that I've got confidence and faith in that talks about this every day because I'm looking at things that you're putting out there, you know, kind of on LinkedIn and I'm you know viewing your website and stuff like that, and I'm like, hey, why don't we have a topic on this because. We've talked with people in the real estate agency before. We've talked with people in lending and so forth and so on. But, you know, just let's just get to the brass tacks of, of what's really going on out there. Yeah. And, you know, as, as as we see it today, you know, because I'm a business owner. I've been a business owner, God, for probably going on 15 some odd years, 15 or 16 plus some odd years. Okay. You know, I have I have seen the headaches that you have to go through earlier on in buying a house back in like... 1997 for for being you know a small business owner <laughs> mm-hmm. but but i guess the story here is is you know as things begin to pick up there's so many people out of work right now and you know i'm i'm saying to myself if i'm getting letters like this i can only see where this is heading because folks are going to have to start to figure out how do they make income they're going to become 1099 type of individuals they're still going to have that live a dream you know make my dream come true they're still going to want houses you know even though they're not working for a major conglomerate company maybe they're working for themselves you know but but if they're out of work you know they have to have an understanding and appreciation that if you're in this position this is how you need to move forward you got to move forward with an understanding that it's going to take you a two-year window to be able to go forward with with the self-employment approach correct it will it will two full years yes yeah yeah. And, and now with COVID, it's even, I mean, a self, I, I, the self-employed borrower is really being scrutinized now. I mean, the amount of paperwork since COVID happened every day that, you know, Fannie and Freddie are changing their guidelines. Now they want profit and losses. They want business bank statements. It was never like that for the self-employed borrower. It, it's getting kind of rough for them. And, I, I, and I, I feel bad. You know, I hope that these guidelines ease up as, you know, COVID um, passes because it is going to make it a little difficult for, uh, you know, the uh, dream of home ownership for, you know, new self-employed borrowers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, like you said, with the mandates being, uh, being more stringent now, certainly it's the stability because of the simple fact of, right. uh, you know, is there a guarantee? Well, I mean, honestly, there's really no guarantee in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a major conglomerate corporation. Now That's true. Either. It's a true story. You're right. It's a true story. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, despite the fact they're paying your, your health insurance and uh, 401k and, and, and uh, those type of things, they can still let you go. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a true story though. I mean, that's, that's a very legit point. <laughs> you know, I, I think our, uh, I think it's, I think it's rather comical because you know our unemployment rate right now is just through the roof. I mean, it's just crazy. I know. Yeah, yeah. So Denise, let's talk. Let's talk about some of the nine simple steps. I mean, you know, people want to make their dreams come true, and you know, sometimes, as you stated earlier, which which I think was a was a very insightful point. Uh, you know, once you get like the backstory, you know, the application, sometimes it's your job. I'm assuming I, and, and don't quote me on this. I'm only making an assumption, but sometimes if someone has in their mind, Hey, I want a $300,000 house, but really they can only afford a $200,000 house. 
you know, I think one of the things that I was looking up as I was trying to figure out some of the things to talk to you about today was, you know, people sometimes have to strip down their goals in order for them to take the first step. So what is your, what is your thought? What is your thought process on True. that? Because, well, you know what I always do with clients? Cause they're, I'll say, you know, you've been looking at houses online with your, you know, whomever and what, you know, what price range do you look at when you look online? Like, what are the houses that excite you and you fall in love with? Oh, like, you know, 300,000, 400,000. I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, all right, so we're going to start there. I'm going to give you what the payment would look like based on these, you know, $350,000 homes with this amount of taxes, right? Because these are the yearly taxes you're seeing on these homes, right? In this particular area, yes. This is the down payment you have, right? And then I'll give them the payment that comes with that house. And then two things will happen. They'll say to me, oh my God, we can totally handle that payment. Or they're gonna say, oh, no way, I can't handle that payment. And then we're gonna say, okay, so we're gonna adjust accordingly. We're gonna come down like another 25,000, right? Because at the end of the day, I want my clients to live in their home, not for their home. Right. Nobody wants to do that. And it's 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 you know, it's like a car. You know, when people go buy a car. They look at the car and they're like, I want that. And I want my payment to be this. They don't do that in the mortgage world. They're just like, I just want that house. And then they don't they it, it's weird. Like for me, it's more important to talk about payment. So I will say to clients, the ones that like say that they don't they don't know what they qualify for. I'll say, tell me this what would be a comfortable payment for you? Like if I, if you said, you know what, Denise, we would love for our total monthly housing payment to be boom, you know, $2,000. And then what I'll do is knowing the, knowing the area they want to buy in, knowing what the taxes are, I'll do the math backwards. Mm-hmm. I'll tell them if you want this kind of payment, $2,000 a month, and I know what you have for a down payment to work with, this is the price range that you should be buying in, right? So there's two ways to, to, to attack it. One is they'll tell you what kind of house they want. And then you just, um, you know, bring them back to reality. <laughs> if it's, you know, not, um, cause I have some borrowers that they'll, they'll, this one gentleman, he's like, I love this house. I have to have it. And I'm like, you can't like, you can't, he's like, what do I have to do to have it? I'm like, you just can't, like, it's not ever going to happen. Do you see what your income is? And do you see what the payment is? Um, if you don't have a co-signer, uh, somebody else that has, you know, the income to, it's just not gonna, you know, it's not gonna happen. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I tackle it. Two different avenues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're, 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 you're definitely spot on because like you said, when you show that contrast, you know, you kind of get the, uh, the look of fear or you get the praise, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and ultimately, you know, to be frankly honest, I, I think, you know, certainly sometimes when people, you know, are having to pay such a large, you know, monthly payment, and 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 not realize that this is over 15 years or 20 years or 30 years without that preconceived notion of you know what if something goes wrong i mean it, it's very fearful i mean it's very scary mm-hmm. you know to consider that you know sometimes sometimes i call that like uh what what i what my mom used to say is setting your boat on fire you know in other words i'm using the replacement of your behind but but putting in boat because uh <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's cute. You're you're really on fire when you're going. Oh my God! I didn't realize that. You know, uh, we're in this now, and we're in it for this period of time. You know, how do we get out of it? You know, because it, it, it's almost like being in the honeymoon. The honeymoon phase. You know, it's it's is all great in the very beginning, and then you start to really figure out that uh, hey, I never recognized that from my my significant other. I didn't I didn't realize you did that, and you know, so forth and so on. And, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just so comical, you know, so comical. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. So how so how important how important is it, Denise, to basically build a plan? You know, I mean, if you're if you're trying to get yourself into a home, I mean, a part of your job is to help your customers and clients build that plan. But how really important is it for for even your 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 clients to start to focus on their objectives? I think before they even try and like if, if, if a young couple gets married and they're like, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to save this amount of money. I, I don't think people, if you're not in the business, you you don't really, you know, I had a client the other day. They're like, all right, well, we, we are probably going to be ready next year. And I'm like, well, why do you say that? And they're like, well, because we only have, you know, 30,000 saved up right now. And I'm like, but 30,000 is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? I mean, I just think that you should always just make the phone call first, speak to someone, and then because you don't even know what your options are, and you, I think people don't even realize like with the rates being so low, and there's there are, Gregory, there are so many programs out there that require, you know, like I said, either no money down, three percent down. People, I've had people say to me, "Well, I don't have twenty percent to put down," and I'm like, "I'm, I mean, I'm what? I don't get it. What do you mean? Like, you know, who says you need twenty percent down? If I close, you know, twenty. 20 loans a month, maybe two people put 20% down. That's not for the rest of the world. You know what I mean? A lot of people, not that people live paycheck to paycheck, but a lot of people don't have, you know, that like a big chunk of cash to put down and that's okay. And guess what? You'll still love the payment and it's cheaper than renting a lot of times too. So I, I, I think before people just in their head, like they think, babe, we need to do this or hum, we need to do this. Call somebody first and, and this is what our goals are. It doesn't cost anything, right? To call a loan officer. And there's, there's hundreds of thousands of us out there have a conversation first and, and come up with that game plan first, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Start doing your, you know, your, your planning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and you chimed on pretty much my next four or five steps of, of trying to build that simple plan. I mean, you know, setting the deadline, basically doing the work, you know, kind of, you know, praising the progress because it is it is a, it is a process that you've got to go through, and then of course I think the most the most important thing you emphasized here was don't go at it alone because, Mm-mm. like you stated, make a phone call. I mean, if you don't have all the information, don't trust Google. Make the phone call. You know, right. and, and 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 figure it all out. Oh, don't Google it. I, I get like I. I... <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, I Googled it and said this. I'm like, no, 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 you did not just say that because you can Google one, one statement and you're going to get like 40,000 different answers. Just call somebody who really knows their stuff and they're going to tell you exactly what, how it is. Don't, don't read, but they do. They read. <laughs> oh yeah. It scares me. Wow. Wow. So, so Denise, this has been, this has absolutely been awesome. We appreciate you not only helping it out, our one listener, but the insight that you've been able to provide for us. But certainly as we get ready to wrap up, what are some of the takeaways that you'd like to leave anyone that is aspiring to make their dream come true in home ownership? I would say my biggest thing, and I, I share this a lot on, my, on LinkedIn, is that if someone already tried to get an approval and they were denied by lender a that I I just want them to know that that is not like, please call the next guy, like call one more person or maybe even call two more people, but at least call one more person because I cannot stress enough that everyone's guidelines are so different. Every lender from, I don't care if it's chase to bank of America to Homebridge, we all have different 
overlays, right? So Fannie and, and, and Freddie, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and FHA will all come out and even VA, they have their own, you know, their own set of rules, but it, every lender then puts their own twist to it. So you might call, you know, one guy and he says, oh, I, well, I need a 700 credit score. Call another person, please, because I just, I would hate to say, I would hate for someone's dream to be crushed because, you know, bank A said this when that's not how bank B and C and D operate. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. recommendation and suggestion to people. Excellent. 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 And so I opened up with the quote and I'm going to leave our conversation with the quote. And I think this is uh this is pretty powerful quote when I actually discovered it as I'm getting prepared for all of the backstory and information and research on you and so forth and so on. And it basically states, the ache for home lies in all of us. It's a safe place where we can go as we are not questioned. And that was a quote from Maya Angelou. Mm. And man. I love that. Can you send that to me via email later? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, the funny thing about Cut to the Chase is, you know, with myself and my team, we try and make these things fun. We certainly try and make sure we do our homework. We engage. And uh, this has been great. I mean, I, I tell you, man, we got to do another podcast. Maybe we do one on... Maybe we do one on DIY or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I just want to say really quick. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Gregory, for letting me share. And also, I your your tagline is brilliant. Cut to the chase. Like it's just that that's what you, it it should just be that simple, right? Just cut to the chase. I love it. It's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. Me. Well, thank you very much. We'd like to thank everybody out there. Definitely, please be safe. We know that the world is constantly evolving and changing around us. And uh, this is Gregory Proctor, your host with episode 35, Making Dreams Come True, featuring Denise Panza. Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Ciao.